Amen. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, and from whom all our blessings flow. All right, we're going to get back to Revelation here. Revelation, amen. We have finished up chapter 18, and we're going, uh, we're in 19 now. And after 19, we only have three more chapters, three more chapters left. In Revelation, God is revealing unto us, amen, his final game plan, amen. It all started in Genesis, amen, and it's coming to an end in the book of Revelation, amen. And it's a love affair, amen. It's all about, amen, Christ preparing his bride, Come on, somebody. My God. And we're going to delve into that a little bit uh, further. We want to recap just a little bit. Now, if you have uh, missed any of these Bible studies, the good thing about them, they are available on Facebook. They're available on YouTube. Go back. Go back. Amen. And study uh, this revelation. We're going through revelation from beginning all the way to the end, amen, uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, amen, and certainly uh, God is revealing unto us, there is a rhyme and a reason uh, to what's going on in this world, I know people, they look around, it's like, what in the world, and what, what is happening, God's word is being revealed unto us, his plan is being revealed unto us, in this book of Revelation, this is this is hot news. We're living this. We're living it right now. And these pages ought to be jumping up. Uh, these scriptures ought to be jumping off the page. Amen. Uh, because we're watching. Amen. This final beast empire is being formed. Come on, somebody. My God. Um, you wonder... How can people come up with such lies and deception and deceit? My God, I mean, you know, this latest uh, raid on the Capitol, uh, they want us to believe that it didn't even happen. It wasn't Trump supporters. <laughs> Somehow some other faction and group jumped in ahead of all of Trump supporters, Antifa. Uh, jumped in and, and they perpetrated the raid on the Capitol. My God, you know, um, it, it's even questioned in my mind, you know, first of all, uh, number one, are you that big of a liar, a deceiver, or are you suffering a strong delusion that you actually believe? And I believe there are some that actually believe. And, you know, uh, brainwashing is just telling a lie over and over and over again. And people's minds have been brainwashed till they actually believe that Trump won this election. They actually believe that. <laughs> uh, that he is the victim. My God. So... Uh, saints, this is the final Babylon that we have just witnessed being destroyed in chapter 17, 18. We've dealt with um, both the uh, the woman riding on the beast, that's the church, 
And then we're dealing with the, we dealt with the business end of it. Now, remember in Babylon, back in Genesis, they built a city and a tower, two pieces to it. As I keep saying, all the stuff happened back in, in, in Genesis and, and all the way up into now, God is bringing it to a conclusion. So uh, the second most popular city talked about in the Bible next to Jerusalem is guess what? Babylon. Babylon. Why so much information about Babylon? Because we are living in Babylon. You know, um, the politicians, if they want to uh, talk about some conspiracy, they'll call it the deep state. Uh, some people will call it the new world order. Uh, some people will call it globalization. So there's a whole lot of names, whole lot of names, but we're all talking about the same thing. <laughs> it's this final Babylonian empire in which we now live. We're living in Babylon. And that's why, that's why the Bible speaks so much about Babylon, because it's so important that we understand and know what Babylon is. Amen. Uh, it's called Babylon in the beginning. It's called Great Babylon in the end because it was man's attempt to do anything without God. If you're in a relationship and God is not in it, guess what? That relationship you're in is an abusive relationship and it's Babylon. And guess what? It's doomed. <laughs> it's not going to work anytime you're trying to do anything without God. It is doomed. Jeremiah, uh, Isaiah talked about uh, Babylon, Isaiah 48 and 20, get out of Babylon. Jeremiah uh, 58 and 18, get out of Babylon. You, you, well, we've already uh, called those scripture references. And why would they be talking about Babylon? They weren't talking about the Babylon that they were going into Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon. Now we had... Um, Nimrod's Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon, and now the last beast, Antichrist, his Babylon. Amen. Three of them. It's coming back. It's coming back. It's alive and well, and we're living in it right now. Uh, during the time that these great prophets were talking about it, that was when Assyria uh, was uh, oppressing Israel. They didn't say get out of Assyria, get out of Babylon. They were prophesying about this last Babylon that we're living in today. Amen. And the story of Lot was a pattern. Uh, we have a whole lot of allegories. Remember the three different uh, views of revelation that people take, you know, whether it's an allegory, something that's happened in the past, something that's happened in the future, uh, something that's, you know, um, it's all, you know, a parable. Amen. So there's uh, various different views people have of revelation, those theologians that study revelation. Uh, but we have patterns and types and lot, the story of lot was a pattern of Babylon, the time in which we live. And uh, um, Lot, what was going on? You all remember those angels came in there and those men came rushing at the door. We want these men that came in here. 
And uh, Lot said, I have uh, married daughters that never seen a man. Wait a minute now. <laughs> I got some married daughters that never seen a man. So their idea of marriage uh, was totally different than our idea of marriage now and that's this is what we're dealing with people are getting into arrangements now that are totally uh, uh contrary i have my view of marriage you have your view of marriage you know and and uh, you're wrong because you don't share my view of marriage and this condition vexed a lot spirit he didn't know what to do and he he cried out and God sent the, sent the angels in there to get him out. Come on, somebody. My God. What was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah vexed his spirit. And listen, uh, if your spirit is not vexed in this Babylon in which we're living in, you might just be in love with it. Got to be very careful. Be very careful. The Bible talks about Babylon uh, the second most city talked about in the Bible next to Jerusalem. And we know Jerusalem is important. Babylon is the next one. Amen. Now, remember, um, right when God said 70 years are going to be accomplished, you're going to be in Babylon. King and down to the day King Cyrus came and defeated uh, Nebuchadnezzar and told the children of Israel, y'all can go home. Most of them stayed. Why? They said, you know what? We like a city without walls. Ah, Jerusalem was a city that had walls. And the walls were to keep the heathen practices out. You know, all of the homosexuality and, and fornication and adultery and all of the things. Uh, they could be influenced by the heathen nations around them. But... When King Cyrus said, y'all can go home, they said, hey, you know what? We're comfortable here. Don't you dare get comfortable in Babylon. My God, we like a city without walls. We don't want the confines of Jerusalem. We don't want the ruse. Come on, somebody. My God. And... Just as a comparison, the angels told Lot, we can't get you out of this place until we can't burn and destroy this place until we get you out. Come on, somebody. How many know the church is not going to go through the tribulation period? Amen. Come on, somebody. Second uh, Thessalonians, the second uh, chapter, um, verses seven through eight. It says, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. We've called that scripture a number of times. Second Thessalonians, the second chapter. All right, verses seven and eight. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he that now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Um, doesn't it, uh, the mystery of iniquity, doesn't it uh, uh, baffle you, the things that people are doing? My God. Doesn't it baffle you how Mitch McConnell can stand up on the floor and say the president is responsible 
uh, for the insurrection at the Capitol, Capitol, and then turn around and say, well, you know, I'm not in favor of uh, holding him. <laughs> All of the murder, and you know, everybody's got a gun now. You know, people are shooting on the highway, uh, shooting in the party store, shooting at home. Kids are getting guns, shooting their siblings, shooting themselves. The mystery of iniquity doth already work, and only who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Who is that? Jesus holding back the death and destruction. Amen. But when he moves his hand out of the way and allows uh, this Antichrist to take over for a season, my God, it's going to be utter destruction. And saints, we don't want to be here. That last uh, verse 8, uh, and then shall the wicked be revealed, that wicked one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. And that's what we're talking about. In chapter 19, the Lord is coming and he's bringing a whole lot of people with him. <laughs> my God, and I, I've asked the question, and we're going to find out how long is a battle uh, uh, with God going to last? How long can a battle with God last? My God, and this gives us a clue. He's going to consume him with the spirit of his mouth. All right, so Lot was vexed in his spirit. He didn't know what to do. God sent the angels in. Amen. And uh, they said, we're getting you out. God knows how to deliver the righteous. Saints, listen, uh, we're not going to be burned up with this world. God is going to deliver us. He's going to get us out. Lot, we can't destroy this place until we get you out. God knows how to deliver the righteous. Uh, what happened to Lot's wife? She was tied to Sodom and Gomorrah and she looked back. My God, thanks. Listen, uh, we are instructed to wear this world as a loose garment. Yes, we're in this world, but we're not of the world. Amen. Uh, the Bible tells us to lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily tie you to the ways of this world. They will beset you. They will uh, weigh you down. Come on, somebody. My God. So what did uh, great Babylon say? Said, I will never be a widow. We talked about all of the things that she had. The gold, the silver, the incense, the spices. All of those things that she said that she had. This is just a, a quick recap. Uh, I got to keep in uh, touch with my time because... Um, uh, the older I get, the more I'm getting like my father. I like to talk about it. Um, Revelation 18. Just a recap. Just a recap of some things we want to make sure uh, that you get it. Revelation 18 and 7. All right. What does it say? How much uh, she have glorified herself. And live deliciously. My God. So much torment and sorrow give her. Because that's what she deserves. Uh, for she saith in her heart. I sit a queen. And am no widow. 
and shall see no sorrow. Ah, she got that all wrong. <laughs> My God, because we just witnessed. We just witnessed the total dismantling, dis destroying of uh, she presumptuous, uh, uh, posing as a bride of Christ, but she's the bride of Satan. She's a prostitute. Come on, somebody. My God. Amen. Her, uh, she's dressed in scarlet, purple uh, and scarlet. Uh, but what is the bride of Christ dressed in? Pure linen, white. There's a stark difference between the bride of Christ and the bride of Satan. One is a chaste virgin. The other is a prostitute. She's a whore. Come on, somebody. My God. And the kings of this world are drunk with her fornications. That's what the Bible says. All right. But Isaiah, um, Isaiah 47 he prophesied about the doom. Now remember, Isaiah is not prophesying about the Babylon that the children of Israel is going into. He's prophesying about this Babylon that we're in right now. She's doomed. This is the final Babylon 47. If you have a, um, uh, a study Bible, uh, 47 in my Bible says the prophecy of doom for Babylon. Way back then, Isaiah was letting her know the eagle eye prophet. And look what uh, now she said in Revelation 18 uh, I'm a queen and am no widow, and I will see no sorrow. Isaiah picks it up here in Isaiah 47 8 and 9. He says, therefore, since this is a fact, hear now this, that thou art given to pleasures. She's doing what she wants to do. Thou that dwellest carelessly, she's living deliciously, and saith in thy heart, I am and none else beside me. All of that stuff that the Christian says that it has, the, the Christian church, the Christian people, gold, silver, uh, I got that. We read through the whole list. I don't, I don't need y'all. I don't need God. I don't need redemption. <laughs> your, your pearly gates getting into heaven. There's many ways to get into heaven. You got your view. I got my view. I don't need that stuff y'all got. I'm living deliciously. I'm not no widow and I'm not going to suffer no sorrow. Look what uh, Isaiah says, 47, 8. Uh, 40, chapter 47 and in verse 8. Therefore hear now this. Uh, Thou that art given to pleasure, that dwelleth carelessly, and sayest in thy heart, I am and none else beside me. I shall not sit as a widow. Oh, Isaiah, he said it even before she said it. All right, you're not a widow, neither shall I know the loss of children. My God, look what it says here. But these two things shall come to thee in a moment in one day. Didn't we read that? Didn't we read that in chapter 18? The loss of children and widowhood, they shall come upon thee in their uh, perfection uh, of uh, the multitude, amen, of thy sorceries. And for the great abundance of thine enchantments, 
For thou hast trusted in thy wickedness and hast said, None seeth me. Thy wisdom and thy knowledge, it hath perverted thee. And thou hast said in thy heart, I am and none else beside me. Look what she thinks about herself. My God, I don't need God. That's what Babylon is. I don't need God. <laughs> My goodness, goodness. What's what happens in you know the Bible talks about um, the the kings of this world are drunk with her fornications. Uh, another uh, translation said adultery. Um, you know you can't um, commit adultery unless you're uh, committed to somebody else. And you get into a relationship. Fornication is a, a relationship that's frowned upon upon God. So what is she uh, into? Uh, uh, wicked relationships. And what happens in relationships of, of uh, fornication and adultery? What happens? Children are born. Come on, somebody. My God. Illegitimate children. And certainly we know... Uh, the Catholic Church that started out as a oneness organization is the greatest proponent of the Trinitarian doctrine. It came out of her. Uh, the, the most uh, 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 widely used doctrine today is the Trinitarian doctrine that birthed out of this church. Mm, that's what happens. Where you're, when you're in illegitimate relationships, illegitimate children are born. My God. And God, and she's saying, I'm not going to suffer. My children are not going to be burned. Isaiah said, yeah, you and all of your children, your offspring are going to be burned up. And we've seen that. We've seen that. We read it. Chapter 18. All right. She said, I'll never be a widow. Uh, we, I think we talked about this, but we use that. Why widow? You know, anytime God gets ready uh, to make an example, he always finds a widow. Uh, Naomi, uh, we have Ruth. Uh, God finds a widow. But why a widow? A widow is no longer tied to a marriage relationship. She's now free to marry someone else. Guess what? We all should be a widow to this world. I'm not tied to this world. I'm free to, to be uh, uh, tied up, wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Christ Jesus. I'm, I'm free. We're all a widow to this world. <laughs> My God. But what does this false church say? I will never be a widow. God will never use me. Bible says that the merchants will lament and mourn. Who are we going to sell our goods to now? You'd be surprised at all of the things um, that are geared toward churches. Uh, I use uh, some examples I had right here. These, you know, you don't get these at Home Depot. They don't sell them at Meyer. There's, I mean, this is just one example. You know, uh, oils. Um, all of those things, the incense and, and things that are used. Uh, and we saw some of the uh, things used by the Catholic Church. The diamonds, the rubies, the pearls. 
the priest is encrusted with all kinds of uh, living deliciously. I talked about the, the golf cart that's made by Mercedes-Benz. My God, uh, when that church is destroyed, the, the merchants are going to say, who are we going to sell our goods to now? She is doomed. They're going to stand afar off and they're going to weep and they're going to lament her destruction. Her hour is now come. I'm on somebody. God is going to bring it again. And I'm reading in the last of um, Revelation 18 uh, as we finish this up. Just a, a, a recap. We're going into 19. Um, Jesus said, uh, God said, never again will the voice of the bride and the bridegroom be found in you. Never again will the harp and the sound of the music be found in you. Never again will the light of the lamp shine in you. Uh, the three things that God takes uh, from earth into heaven. Who is that? That's the church. Amen. Uh, the lampstand, those were the, um, the seven churches. It had seven lobbers on that lampstand. Uh, when John gets into heaven, now it's in heaven. Come on, somebody. My God. Uh, the church, the glorified church, is caught up. Those cherubims, uh, Isaiah said, with, with twain they did fly. And he used the best language he could to describe. Now the, the rapture church is in heaven. Amen. So God is saying all of those things uh, that are special to me, that belong to me, they will never be seen in you anymore. Come on, somebody. My God. So John, when he goes to heaven, he sees the lampstand. That's the church. He said the bride is not going to be seen in you anymore. Uh, who is that? That's the church. The light of the world is not going to be seen in you anymore. Who is that? That's the church. Who were the harpists singing the redemption song of the Lamb? That's the church. I'm taking her out. Before your final doom, they will not be found in you anymore. God knows how to deliver the righteous. He's going to snatch us out of here. I'm so glad. I'm so glad, my God. He said, if he didn't shorten the days, the very elect. Come on, somebody. My God, we would throw up our hands and say there is no God. Amen. So God is reminding us before Babylon's, fi Babylon's final doom, he's taking those things out that are precious to him. Come on, somebody. My God. We are the apple of his eye. All souls belong to him. Amen. And certainly he has chosen us. He has purchased us with his own blood. Come on, somebody. We are espoused to him. We're not married yet. That's what we're getting to. Amen. But but we're, we belong to him. Amen. And he's snatching us out. Amen. And he lets us know uh, now when he talks about that millstone, Babylon now is getting that millstone tied around its neck and being cast into the sea. My God, my God. So, saints, listen, we need to get ready. We need to get ready 
for what God is getting ready to do, what he's doing. Come on, somebody. And I want you all to turn with me to Revelation 17. I want to uh, share this slide one more time with you. I want to make sure everybody gets it. Understand. And we're moving on uh, to chapter uh, 19. All right. Um, Revelation 17. Okay, John said he, when he saw uh, this church, this false church, he marveled and wondered with great admiration. Verse 7, and the angel said unto me, wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and the beast that carrieth her, which have the seven heads and the ten horns. All right. Um, and each and every one of us, we've talked about this. This is the woman that sitteth upon the uh, seven, um, seven mountains. And we know that to be, look at verse 9. And here is the mind that has wisdom. You all have it. Revelation 17 and 9. I want to get my slide up here. Um... Here is the mind. I'm reading verse 9. Here is the mind. Let me get myself up here and in the way. Okay. Uh, let me see. Yeah, I think I'm out of the way there. Okay. Here's the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Now, I have told you, these are the seven hills of Rome. All of the early church framers... Um, Tyndale, uh, Martin Luther, John Wycliffe, uh, all of them have recognized and acknowledged that this is talking about the Catholic Church. This is the seven hills of Rome upon which she sits. Amen. This is the Catholic Church. All right. Uh, let's go back. To verse 7 as I share with you um, my next slide let me get my next slide up and we're gonna go back to we're gonna go back to verse 7 17 and 7 and the angel said unto me, Wherefore did thou marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beasts that carried her, which had the seven heads and the ten horns. All right. Uh, the beast that thou saw, sawest was and is not and shall descend out of the bottomless pit. Amen. All right. I want to just keep this slide before us because we want to dissect this dissect this again all right the uh, seven heads are the seven empires that we see on this chart here 
These are seven uh, empires uh, that have one time or another uh, tried to destroy Israel. Uh, we have Nimrod, he wanted to be a god. Uh, Egypt, uh, Pharaoh, he wanted to be worshipped as a god. All of these uh, seven empires had kings and they all wanted to be worshipped as gods. All right. We talked about the Japanese Empire and the Chinese Empire. They had nothing to do with Israel and God didn't put them in the Bible. This is all, the Bible is all about God and his people. God and his bride, his church. All right, the Aztecs that were uh, empires in, in America. Uh, they're not in here. Have nothing to do. Uh, with Israel, God's people. So they're not in the Bible. All right. So here we go. The seven, um, the beast that thou sawest uh, was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. All right. We know that to be Babylon. Babylon. All right. That was. All right. And is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. Uh, we see this uh, red dragon coming up out in, in chapter 12. All right. Now he was. Now remember there's three. I have them highlighted. Three different Babylons. And this is what John is seeing. This is what John is seeing. And he's in Roman uh, prison. Uh, that Babylon exists three times in the, in the history here. Uh, we have the Babylon of Nimrod. We have the Babylon of Nebuchadnezzar. He was. Now, during John's time, he's in Roman captivity, right? So that's just before the last one. Uh, we got Rome and we got Rome too. So he's in captivity on the island of Patmos. And that makes a whole lot of sense. He was, is not, and ascends out of the bottomless pit. And will go into perdition. Now just before God sets up his millennial reign. And we're going into this now. Uh, Satan is going to be bound a thousand years in the bottomless pit. And then he will be loose for another season. And we'll cover that. We'll cover that. But we want to make sure we go through this. Uh, he um, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And will dwell on the earth, and those that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose name was not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, where they behold, uh, when they behold the beast that was and is not, and yet is. They're going to say, Babylon is back. Look at that. Those individuals whose name was not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not, and yet is, they're going to recognize this is Babylon. It's back. Isn't that what Zechariah told us? Where, where bearest thou the ether? He said to set it on its own base in the land of Shinar. Where is that? That's Babylon. <laughs> it's coming back. It's not dead. Uh, Zechariah showed us that. Uh, right out of right after coming out of Babylonian captivity, we read that scripture. If you missed it, go back, go back and read it. 
All right, look at verse 9. And here's the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sit. We've already saw that slide. And there are seven kings. Five are fallen. All right, seven kings. Who do we have? We have Babylon. We have Egypt. We have Assyria. We have Babylon. We have Persia. We have Greece. And we have Rome. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All right. Um, look what it says. Five are fallen. Who is that? That's Egypt, Assyria, uh, Persia, Greece, and the first Roman Empire are fallen. All right. And the other is not yet come. What is that? That's the revived Roman Empire. All right. And when he cometh, he must what? Continue for a short space. This Babylon that we're living in now is only going to last for just a short time in the eyes of God. Amen. It's just going to be a short while and God is going to come. The Ancient of Days is going to come and deliver us. All right. Look what, at verse uh, 11. And the beast that was and is not, even he is uh, in the eighth and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. What is he talking about? He's talking about the revived Roman Empire. Look at uh, Rome number two. That's number eight. But he's part of the seven. Isn't that what the scripture is saying? Here's the mind of wisdom. If we're going to understand these beast empires, you need to understand this chart. All right, I'm going to read uh, verse 11 again. And the beast that was and is not, all right, Babylon was, it's not in power now. Even he is the eighth, he's the eighth empire that's coming and is of the seven. We read that, I believe, back in chapter 12. And his deadly wound was healed. Now, a, a deadly wound, how, how do you heal a deadly wound? <laughs> uh, but his deadly wound was healed. So, so he had to be revived. Remember, Satan is copying God. Just as he raised him up and said, all power in heaven and earth belongs unto me. So what does he do? He's going to revive the Roman Empire. Amen. And he's more deadlier than all the other. All right. So um, last thing I want to show you on this chart. We're going to sum up here. My goodness, um, is Daniel's view. You all remember uh, Daniel's dream, and we're looking at part of this now. Now, when Daniel was in Babylonian captivity, um, that's the middle Babylon right there, uh, 586 B.C., the time Daniel. Now, remember Daniel's prayer. What's going to happen to Israel, my people? I want to know what's going to happen to them. So God shows him. 
Amen. And he and he see four beasts. You all remember that? All right. So what does he see? He sees Babylon. Now we're starting in that middle Babylon now because Daniel don't see what's before him. He sees where he's at. From a historical point, where he's at right now in looking to the future. He sees the lion, the bear, and the leopard. He sees Babylon, Persia, and Greece. And then he sees a fourth beast that makes him sick. Come on, somebody. <laughs> That's the revived Roman Empire. All right, what did John see? When we read uh, what he said, John said he saw them, all right, but he saw them in reverse order. He saw leopard, bear, lion. So he saw the Grecian Empire, the Persian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, and then he said there was a, a fourth one, an and it was an amalgamation. In other words, if you take the worst of all of your enemies and combine them into one, my God, now he sees the revived Roman Empire. They both see four beasts. Uh, Daniel said the fourth one made me sick. John said the fourth one was an amalgamation of all the others, the worst of all of your enemies. And I showed that image to you. But Daniel, from a historical perspective, sees the lion, bear, leopard. All right, John, from the future, looking back to the past, he sees the leopard, the, um, what is it, the bear, and the lion. They see the same thing, but and they both see the, 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 the amalgamation, the revived Roman Empire, and that's all depicted in this chart. And, and it's so important that we understand this. Uh, I got to get this chart into your hands uh, so you can study it for yourself. But understanding, um, uh, here's the mind of wisdom. In chapter 17, if we're going to unfold this revelation, what's going on, what's happening, and the and the beast empire that we're living in now, you need to understand this chart. Amen? Uh, so that was a recap of uh, chapter um, 18. We're going into chapter 19 now. And this is the coming Messiah. This is an exciting time, saints, because finally, all of this that we've been looking for, the promises of God, they're coming to pass. It's unfolding right before our eyes. All right? So we'll, we're about to see the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's coming back. Amen. And guess what? He got a whole lot of people with him. <laughs> My God. And I want you to uh, just guess who that is. And then we'll bear it out here in the scriptures. All right. Uh, remember now, if you have questions, uh, please email them to me. I will uh, be glad to answer them if I can. Um, I do have um, uh, Bishop Herman's... Um, 
uh, writing, this write-up of this particular uh, Bible class. Bishop Herman has all of this. I don't know if y'all can see this. Um, this is Elder Harry R. Herman. He have all of this outlined in picture form. These are uh, some of his notes that I got out of his office um, when I was sitting in there with him and he started asking me if I wanted some stuff and I just started uh, picking up and taking up a whole lot of his stuff. This is a picture of the tabernacle uh, out of his office. So uh, God has given me a lot of uh, information to share uh, with you all. I didn't know what I was going to do with it, but uh, it's, <laughs> it show comes in handy uh, now in studying this and getting the timelines uh, and uh, things in proper order uh, the way they happen. All right, uh, let's go to 19. Tell that neighbor, welcome to Revelation 19. We are almost ready to wrap this thing up and we're getting to the exciting. Now listen, if anybody here is uh, really likes a good wedding, well, we're about to experience the wedding of weddings. My God. All right, look. Revelation 19, we're going to read 1 through 7. And after these things, this is John, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven singing hallelujah. Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged who? The great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and have avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Hallelujah. My God, I, I, you know, um, a lot of times we, we, we praise God for his grace and his mercy, but we don't praise him for his judgments, mm, especially when that judgment comes against you. <laughs> but when they witness this great whore being destroyed, all of her and all of her children, there's great praise great praise going on in heaven hallelujah for her smoke rose up forever and ever and the four and 24 elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped god uh, that sat on the throne saying amen hallelujah and a voice came out of the throne saying Praise our God, all ye serv uh, servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, a voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent, reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, 
and his wife have made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed with what? Fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. All right, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to read down through uh, verse 11. We're not going to get no further than that on tonight. Matter of fact, I don't know how much of this we're going to get done because uh, there's a lot talking about uh, this bride that has made herself ready. All right, verses 9, and he said unto me, write, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said to me, now this wedding uh, was so spectacular. Uh, it was so grand uh, that John got beside himself and, and fell down and worshiped the angel. <laughs> worshiped the angel that was uh, 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 revealing unto him the things to come. Look, look what happens here, verse 10. And I fell at his feet and worshiped him. He's not talking about Jesus. Uh, and he said unto me, see that thou do it not. What does he said? I am thy fellow servant and of the brethren and have the testimony of Jesus. Jesus, worship God. Don't worship me. <laughs> I, I'm your fellow servant. Mm, my God. I'm your fellow servant and of thine, I'm your brethren and have the testimony of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Every time we talk about Jesus, you're prophesying. My God, the Lord is soon to come. I just prophesied. Come on, somebody. My God. So there's great praise. Now, John, when he starts out, he says, now, after these things, we're going back and kind of parsing through this. Uh, John switches the narrative back to what's going on in heaven. All right. So simultaneously, as the tribulation is going on on earth, there's also some things going on in heaven. All right. Uh, we'll go back to that in Isaiah uh, 28. When we go into our chamber, when we first go into heaven, he tells us to go into our chamber until the chamber until these calamities be passed. Amen. So there's going to be a time for us in heaven to prepare as His bride, uh, uh, as His bride. My God. So what he does now? We we've seen Babylon the Great, the harlot, uh, the last beast empire. Uh, has been destroyed. Everything uh, of man's order uh, has been uh, destroyed and it's come to an end. He has judged the, the great whore, uh, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and have avenged the blood of his servants and the saints at her hand. All right. And again, the whole crowd is rejoicing. Uh, there's a uh, great rejoicing going on saying hallelujah. We're thanking God for what he's done. We're thanking God for what he's doing. And my God, we're getting ready to, we're thanking him for what he's getting ready to do. And that's, that's, that's how uh, all of us, our praise ought to be. Lord, I thank you for what you've done. 
I thank you for what you're doing, even if I don't understand it. And I'm thanking you in advance for what you're getting ready to do. Amen. So now John flips his attention back to what's going on in heaven. All right. We've seen the destruction of uh, both the, the false prophet, the, um, the woman, and the beast that she was riding on. He's going back. And he's talking about now all of this praise. All right, verses one through seven, uh, before Jesus returns, uh, we see a whole lot of praise. Why? God is serious about his praise. Amen. Whenever God is getting ready to do something, it must be preceded by praise. And that's why somebody said, you know what? I'll bless the Lord at his praise. Are you, are you, do you believe God for uh, uh, bringing you through this day? Through every battle? Come on, somebody. Every mountain? Every valley, do you believe God to take you through this day? Well, it needs to be preceded by praise. I will bless the Lord at all times, praising you for what you've done, praising you for what you're getting ready to do. Come on, somebody. And praising, praising you for what you're doing right now and what you're getting ready to do. Amen. It has to be preceded by praise. My God, um, what is the commandment we've been given in um, Psalms 150? What does it say? Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and with the harp. Praise him with the timber and dance. Some people don't want to do that. Praise him with the string instruments and organs. My God, praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that has... Anybody glad you got breath? You ought to praise him. My God. Praise. Praise is what God requires. Whenever he gets ready to do anything, we must praise him. My God, if God is going to come back to this earth and fulfill all of the promises that he has made to each and every one of us, I think he deserves praise. Come on, somebody. My God. My God. I believe he deserves praise. He's going to spare my life. He's going to save my soul. Come on, somebody. My God, he's going to bless my going in and bless my going out. And when it's all over, he's going to give me eternal life with him. I think he deserves praise. My God. So John now switched to describing what's going on in heaven, verses 1 through 7. Finally, Jesus is coming. Isn't that what we've been waiting for? My God. Somebody say, when I see Jesus. Yes, 
They're rejoicing because Babylon has been destroyed. They're rejoicing. I'm sure they're probably saying something. Let God arise and every enemy be scattered. Come on, somebody. My God. So what we're witnessing now is just a praise break in heaven for the past, present, and the future blessings. What does God say? Enter into my gates with thanksgiving and come into my courts with You all remember Nehemiah when he was going before, he was the cupbearer and he was going before the king. Do you realize Nehemiah could have been killed coming before the king with a sad countenance? Coming before the king uh, with your face drooped down, pouting, not having a, you're not allowed uh, to ruin the king's day. I don't care what you're going through. <laughs> don't you dare be sad before the king. And God tells us, enter into my gates with thanksgiving. Come on in my courts, but bring your praise with you. Come on, somebody. My God, come into me of the right way. My God, in all things, give thanks. My God, this is God's will concerning you. If you're going through something right now, this is God's will concerning you. Amen. In verse 11, we see heaven. The heaven is opening. My God. And before anybody comes out, what are they doing? They're preceding it with praise. They're praising God. Amen. We're not, we're not robot saints. God wants an instinctive praise, not a responsive praise, an instinctive. That's just your instinct. This is what I do. I praise him. You know, if I got to say, come on, everybody, clap your hands, give God a praise, and you're just doing that responsibly. But when I get done saying that, everybody ought to keep clapping, keep giving God praise. It ought to be a a uh, instantaneous, amen. It it should be an uh, an instinctive praise. My God, look where the Lord has brought me from. And as a matter of fact, we'd be surprised at how much praise is in the book of Revelation, uh, chapter four and five. The twenty and four elders and the uh, four cherubims, the four beasts. They uh, fell down before the throne. And what did they do? They praised him. My God. Uh, when we are reading in um, verse, a matter of fact, um, hmm, there was another case. Oh, yes. When the, when the 144 uh, gathered around the throne, what did they do? They prayed. There was a number that couldn't be numbered. They praised him. The palm bearers, those that had their heads cut off, uh, those that had died, when they all gathered up around the throne, what did they do? They praised him. My God. Most of our worship songs, that they, they come right out of the, um, the book of Revelation, talking about the throne, talking about the holy of holies. Um, uh, the book of Revelation is not only a book of prophecy, it is a book of praise. All right? 
So before his throne is always, it's always praise. Y'all turn with me. Let's go to Luke, the second chapter. Even when, um, before he was born. Luke, the second chapter. Thirteen and fourteen. All right. It says, and it shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly uh, there was with the angel, what a multitude of heavenly hosts. What were they doing? Praising God. My God. And saying what? Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace. Goodwill toward all men. Here he is. Entering into the world. My God as a babe. And what did the heavenly host do? It's always preceded by a praise. If you want God to do anything for you, if you're expecting anything from God, you got to, it must be ushered in with praise. What did uh, the wise men do when they came? They came bearing gifts and they bowed down and worshiped him. Now, praise is one thing. Worship is another. Praise is something that you can do with your mouth. Worship is when you get your body into it and bow down before him. They worshiped. They worshiped him. My God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward all men. Amen. Uh, why is Jesus hung up on himself? If you're looking at it that way, guess what? It's not Jesus being hung up on himself. You're hung up on yourself. Anybody that don't think God is worthy of his worship and his praise, there's something wrong with you. My God. And when he's getting ready to come out of heaven, we're seeing right here in uh, chapter 19, just worship, worship, worship. I mean, uh, uh, waves of instinctive praise. We'll, we'll read it. Um, and anytime God is getting ready to do anything, my God. He is worthy of praise. I see a lot of time, um, even coaches, when the game is going well, sometime when the game is not going well, uh, they'll stand up and look at the rest of the guys sitting on the sideline and they'll start clapping. Come on, let's let's get it up. Let, let, let's fire up here. <laughs> We're getting ready to win this thing. We're going to rally and, and, and come from behind. 
or we're going to finish this thing and win. I know somebody. Anybody ever seen the uh, football player go into the end zone and score a touchdown? What does he do? Ain't nobody concerned about the sound level in the stadium. You know somebody. And and what is the response from the home team? People are going crazy. And don't nobody have a problem with that. But when we get in church, oh well, you know, it, it don't take all of that. You, you know, we don't need to. <laughs> Here is somebody that went to the cross and shed his blood and died for our sins. Come on, somebody. My God, that you might have a right to the tree of life. I've come that you might have life and not just any old life, abundant. Ah, you know, you... people, uh, you know, they, they, they come to church and want to be entertained. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's not what we're there for. We're there to praise him. As a matter of fact, uh, Psalms is a book of prophetic praise. Uh, this is a thousand years before uh, Jesus, is, Jesus even returns. Uh, let's go to Psalms uh, 2. Psalms 2. A prophetic praise. Psalms is a book of prophetic praise. What does Psalms a psalm mean? Praise. In Psalms 2, a thousand years before Jesus' return, what does it do? Praise him. And as a matter of fact, um, Isaiah. Ooh. Um, I wish I had, uh, we've called this scripture, I just can't remember it, 62, 63, mm -hmm. oh yes, uh, Isaiah 63. It, it's it's verbatim. Look look what it says. Psalm we're gonna read it in Psalms two, but you can compare it with um, Isaiah sixty three. This is praise a thousand years even before Jesus comes on the scene. All right, and as a matter of fact, what we're reading here in Psalm is describing uh, the scene that John has just shared with us that's going on in uh, chapter nineteen of Revelation. This is a psalm of what we just read in Revelation 19. Look, look what it says. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their uh, cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall do what? Laugh. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, um, you can um, uh, 
Well, I don't want to turn you tell you to turn, but you can turn it to Psalm 63. The same thing. Same thing. Why do the heathen rage and imagine a vain thing? God is laughing at them. Come on, somebody. Uh, this final beast empire, um, the Antichrist, is going to get the kings of the earth to come together to fight against God. And God is in heaven laughing at them. Uh, you remember we read, God said, let your weak say that I'm strong. I bring everything you got. Bring it on. <laughs> I'm laughing at you. Come on, somebody. Um, they said, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. I'm in, in Psalms. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall um, have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. My God, this is a prophetic praise of the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It actually describes what we have just read in uh, Revelation 19. All right? God is saying, I'm coming to install my son, Jesus, all right, in his holy mountain. He's coming to rule. He's coming to take charge. He's coming to take over. My God. Uh, let's read um, uh, 7 and through 9. He's coming to rule over the nations. Psalms 2. 7 through 9. I will declare the decree. All right. You know, that's what people are talking about. I declare and decree. Well, it's the declare the decree is the proper way to say it. And a lot of times I say I declare and decree. But technically, it it is I declare the decree. All right. <laughs> if you want to be technical about it, <laughs> I declare and decree. Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, I, you know, some people, they want to call you on all the technicalities, but this is it. I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. He's coming now to rule. Come on, somebody. Over the nations with a rod of iron. My God. In chapter 19, John is describing the celebration, the praise that's taking place just before he comes. He's already destroyed. He's already destroyed uh, this last beast empire. Now he's coming to set up his uh, millennial, uh, what's called the millennial reign, the thousand years of peace that's going to take place. As a matter of fact, we, we talked about that now. Uh, in order for the thousand years of peace to take place, Satan is going to be locked into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Um. It's amazing that I even found this. 
Bishop Herman has this described. Uh, I don't know if this even works so y'all could even see this. But he's got this, um, the second return of the Lord and a, and a place down here where Satan is locked into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. And then the millennial kingdom uh, that's going to take place uh, for that thousand years. In order for us to have a thousand years of peace, Satan is going to have to be locked up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ain't no way he's going to allow peace and be uh, uh, free to roam and to range. Come on, somebody. My God. And now he's allowed to transverse both heaven and earth. When the sons of God came, who, who, those were the angels who, who came and appeared. Satan himself. How can he accuse us before God if he if he can't go up there and talk to God? Now he he comes down here and tempts you, come on somebody, and gets you into the uh, trouble. Then he goes back and tells God, "Look, nah, you know they ain't all that. You ought to burn them up. You ought to do this. You ought to turn them over to me." Come on somebody. But we read he's kicked and there comes a point where he's kicked out of heaven and he he's coming down. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth, because now he's coming down unto you, having great wrath, because he know that his time is short. Come on, somebody. And just before God comes down, he's coming back now to set up his millennial reign. Satan is going to be bound in the bottomless pit for a period of a thousand years. That's going to be the thousand years of peace that we're going to enjoy without him having the ability to bother anybody. All right. So he's coming. He's going to rule now the nations. Amen. And there's great praise just prior to this. Uh, let's go back to Revelation 19 and 1. Revelation 19 and 1. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. My God. Now, this is not like um, a Sunday mornings. You know, a Sunday morning uh, and, uh, you know, we're... Uh, uh, you know, the uh, praise team will let you know. The choir will let you know. We, Come on, clap your hands and give God a praise. There's always somebody sitting there looking like uh, they don't know what you're talking about. Come on, praise him. <laughs> That's not what's going on here in heaven. This is, this is not like Sunday morning where you decide if you're going to praise. No. Everybody, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, my God, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. Amen. Have anybody ever been into a, a crowded room? Uh, let's say you're in a room of um, a thousand people. Somebody could just be having conversation. Uh, let's say, you know, there's uh, a thousand people 
um, let's say 500 tables in there. Everybody at the table is just having a conversation. But when you listen to the, the, the sound level of the room, it's loud. There's nobody screaming. They're just having conversation because I got to talk a little higher because you're talking. All right. So everybody's voice is elevated a little bit. But when you step back and take a, a, a sample of the room, the sound level in that room is pretty high because you got a whole lot of people just involved in a, in a regular conversation. What would happen if the whole room started shouting? My God. What would that sound level be like? It would be deafening. Definitely. Yeah, ear deafening. Come on, somebody. My God. And that's what's going on in heaven right now. Everybody is shouting. And I don't think nobody's worried about, you know, damage to the ears. Come on, somebody. My God. Anybody know that your praise provide a landing strip for God to come down and visit you? What does he do? I inhabit the what? Praise of my people. John saw heaven open and now everybody's got great and they've already witnessed uh, God defeating their enemy and they're, they're praising God for his righteous judgments. But now heaven opens. My God. You know everybody's shouting. Everybody is praising. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Uh, they're praising God for his righteous judgments. Look at um, uh, verses 2 and 3. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and have avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again, they said, my God, and her smoke rolls up forever and ever. Our enemies are doomed. My God. And as I say, you know, a lot of times uh, we must understand, saints, when God gives judgment, his judgment is righteous. I'm talking about even when it goes against you. Uh, I've said that, I'll, I'll repeat it, because, you know, a lot of times um, we're happy and we'll praise God for his grace and his mercy. But how many know his judgments are righteous as well? We have a tendency not to praise him for his judgment, especially when it's coming against you. Anybody had any anything ever stolen from you? Matter of fact, uh, let's let's use this since this is something on my mind. Uh, the Flint water crisis. I don't believe that the, the residents of Flint are being given uh, a fair shake. Uh, $641 million, you 12 people dead, 24 people seriously uh, injured, countless children with lead poisoning in their systems that will lead to learning disabilities for the rest of their lives, $641 million. Uh, that, 
It just didn't invoke no praise out of me. Uh, what about Rick Snyder? Willful neglect of duty. Two counts. Ooh, two counts of willful neglect of duty. Uh, a maximum, which he probably won't serve, a maximum of one year in prison. And people talking about Kwame Kilpatrick getting out. Now, Kwame didn't kill nobody. Here is Rick Snyder, the governor of Michigan, presided over, uh, how many did I say died? Y'all help me out now. 12 people died, Legionnaire's disease. Uh, was it 24 people that seriously um, uh, injured as a result of drinking this water? Children with, with learning disabilities for the rest of their lives? My God. Uh, that didn't make me jump and shout. I'm glad to see some judgment. But it didn't make me uh, jump and shout. But when something has been taken from you. And you get a righteous judgment. Now, if they were saying you, we getting ready to lock, we're charging uh, Rick Snyder with, uh, uh, what is it, involuntary manslaughter. And he's going to go behind bars just like uh, Kwame Kilpatrick for 28 years. Kwame Kilpatrick, uh, um, what did he do? Started out with cheating on his wife. Uh, then they uh, started investigating and looking into him and they were saying he was running a criminal enterprise from within the, the mayor's office and slapped him with uh, 20 while, you know, uh, Rizzo and all the other people that bribed him, they, they let them off for their testimony. The suburban businessmen that were doing business with the city of Detroit uh conspired with the government to set Kwame up and and throws him in prison for 28 years. And they're saying, well, Kwame, you know, it's a slap in the face that he gets out. As far as I'm concerned, that's the one thing Donald Trump did that I agree with. Here's Rick Snyder presided over the death of, I, I'm getting the number, I just quoted it. Was it 12 deaths of our brothers and sisters in Flint, 24 individuals that are uh, affected for the rest of their lives with a physical ailment, uh, our children, our future, lead poison for the rest of their lives that, that will probably experience learning disabilities and have to have all kinds of maybe special ed and, and, and some, some help. Or, and maybe not even being able to function as a, 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 a full-functioning adult at all. And here's Snyder here. Maybe he'll spend a year in prison. Well, I ain't jumping over that. But if they told me they was locking him up for involuntary manslaughter, I know he didn't. Well, I, I don't believe that was his intention. But what he did in Flint wouldn't have happened here in Ann Arbor. Now, Snyder lives in Ann Arbor. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have switched Ann Arbor's drinking water. But because it wasn't his family, it, it wasn't his people. I'm on somebody. 
My God. Somebody else. All gone and switched the water. Trying to save some money. And then want to blame it on a finance. Or what is this? A city manager. Well listen. He don't do nothing without. You know that man didn't switch Flint's water. On his own. He made the decision all by himself. There were some other people involved in that too. But listen. If there's an injustice done to you. And there's a judgment made. Uh, you rejoice. Do we not? When you feel a person that's been brought to justice. And that justice that's been handed out. That that uh, sentence that's been handed out. Is uh, you know. Uh, it, it has a an equal weight to the amount of damage or maybe you can't even equal the damage that has been done because you can't bring back a loved one. But you feel satisfied. Come on, somebody. My God, you would rejoice, would you not? My God. So many times God speaks and we, the church, should say amen. Now, there are some things that have happened. That I've even questioned God. Lord, why did it, you know, why did this have to happen? And why did that? But listen, I got to praise God for his judgments because whatever God does, it's his righteous judgment. And I ought to rejoice. My God, even when that judgment goes against me. My God. And if he didn't come and judge this last final empire, man would set up hell right here on earth. Come on, somebody, and let the Republicans run it. <laughs> That's Satan himself. My God. What kind of people are we dealing with today? You ever, uh, Bible, okay, let me get on to my Bible class because I'm getting in current events. But, you know, listen. What we're reading here, this is what we're going through right now. All right, I think we got a um, we got a uh, one more scripture here, and um, we'll end it here. All right, Revelation nineteen and four. We're seeing now uh, the next wave of praise. Praise, praise is just coming up. Look at that, uh, verse four. And the four and twenty-four elders, and the uh, four beasts, the cherubs, they fell down. And what did they do? They worshipped. That they didn't just speak with their mouths. Hallelujah! They fell down. Their bodies got into it. Uh, praise comes from your mouth, but when your your body uh, kneels down, you worship Him. My God. They worship the God that sat on the throne saying what? Amen and Alleluia. My God. Now the 24 elders and the four beasts, they're praising God. My God. Not only are they praising him, they're worshiping him because they're giving their bodies. They have bowed down. Amen. There's a difference. There's a difference between uh, praise and worship. And we need to understand that. All right. Now, uh, let's go back to Revelation 4. 
because I want you all to understand a fundamental shift that's getting ready to happen and I don't want you to miss it because it's it's significant it's very significant all right Revelation 4 verses 9 through 11 y'all have it I'm giving you some time and everybody ought to have your Bible everybody ought to have your Bible um, Revelation Revelation uh, 1 and 3 Uh, stay where you are, Revelation 4, but I want you to read Revelation 1 and 3. Y'all have it? Revelation 1 and 3. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Ah, uh, I don't want to read Revelation. I don't know why we in Revelation, and I don't want to turn in the scripture. God said, "Listen, you're blessed to be reading this book. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. And if there's ever a time we need a blessing, my God." We sure do need it now. My God. All right. So if you're tired of revelation, just open up your mouth and tell God, apologize. <laughs> Them God, I just don't have your wisdom. I just don't have your wisdom. And we can all say that. Open up your mouth and apologize to him right now. Because you're blessed uh, to be reading this prophecy. All right, uh, last verse, Revelation 4, 9 through 11. It says, And uh, when those beasts gave glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and forever. Remember I said Revelation is, is just full of praise. Um, and the four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, What? Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive what? Glory, honor, and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure are and were created." My God, he has created all things and everything was created for his pleasure. Shame on you. Listen, if you don't want to praise God, you don't belong in heaven. And if you don't learn how to play, praise him and worship him down here, you're not going to make it there. <laughs> My God, you think you're going to sit up there and fold your hands uh, when um, uh, the multitude is hollering, hallelujah, 
Come on, somebody. My God, the cherubs, the four beasts, and the 20 and four elders are, are worshiping. The, the second wave of praise is coming in now. Everybody's shouting hallelujah. You think you're going to sit there with your hands crossed? <laughs> your arms folded and your legs crossed? I don't think so. Uh, this is what I want you all to see. There's now a fundamental shift. In chapter 4, the 20 and 4 elders, 24 elders, 12 from the Old Testament, 12 from the New Testament, the four cherubs, the four beasts, the glorified church, that's who that is, they're leading the praise in chapter 4. But when we get to chapter 19, the multitude is leading the praise. My God, there's a fundamental shift here. As a matter of fact, this is the last scripture reference of the cherubims and the 24 and elders uh, in the Bible. They're not mentioned after chapter 19. They're not mentioned anymore. Why is that? Hmm. We're, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. Praise is essential. Chapter 4, the 24 elders, the cherubs, they're leading the praise. But now the multitude leads the praise. And the cherubs and the 24 elders say, Amen. My God. So there's a fundamental shift. Uh, that's taking place, and if you're not careful, uh, there's a shift in the in the position of praise, and if you're not careful, you will miss it. All right, we'll dig into the rest of it. We'll dig into the rest of it. Um, uh, on uh, next Wednesday, if the Lord says the same, uh, since I got my PowerPoint up, I will show my slide on. Um, Um, if you're not baptized in Jesus name and filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost, my friend, you're living beneath your privilege. Um, God is coming back for his church. He's coming back for his people without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. His bride is going to be wearing fine linen, white is the righteousness of the saints my god and he's coming back for those that have prepared themselves if you're under the sound of my voice and you haven't had the new birth experience that is you have not been baptized in jesus name you haven't been filled with the precious gift of the holy ghost call me call me 734-477-6891 Seven three four four seven seven six eight nine one. We have ministers on staff that will return your call, pray with you, witness to you and your family. Amen. Uh, we can uh, social distance. Uh, we can do it over Zoom. Amen. Certainly let you know what you need to do to be saved. Meet with you and baptize you in Jesus' name. And we have a great big God that will fill you here with his spirit by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Don't let it be said too late. 
Why put off for tomorrow, which you can toot today, and tomorrow is not promised. Amen.